from the San Diego Convention Center in San Diego, California, this is the ASN Kidney Week 2018 podcast, a discussion of the latest scientific and clinical advances presented at this year's meeting. Hello, I'm Mark Okusa, ASN President. I'm here with a few colleagues to discuss the events of the third day of Kidney Week. It's been a very busy week so far, uh, so let's go ahead and get started. Maybe if you could begin by telling us who you are and where you're from and your area of interest, and then we can get started. Great. My name is Joel Toff. Uh, most people know me better as Kidney Boy. I'm from uh, Detroit, where I'm a clinical nephrologist and a nephrology educator. Hi, my name is Gretchen Brandt. I'm a nephrologist in Washington, D.C. with Kaiser Permanente and do clinical nephrology. Hi, I'm Alexis Sloan. I'm a molecular biologist from Miami, Florida, and I study the APOL1 variants. So great. We have a variety of individuals with different areas of interest and expertise, so that should cover the whole spectrum of activities at the ASN. So let's start by uh, first opening this up, and um, what are your general thoughts about the meeting? So Kidney Week is my favorite week of the year. It's been it's an awesome time to meet the people that you kind of had tangential contact with during the year and get caught up on the latest advances. I love walking through the poster sessions and I think this Kidney Week has been as good as any of them in the past. Agree. Oh, definitely. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's just gone from strength to strength. I've been now going to Kidney Week every year for 10 years and just seeing the changes is amazing. Uh, the networking gets better and better, more opportunities every year from people from all sorts of areas of, of the ASN, so it's amazing. Alexis, you're a um, basic scientist, so can you tell me what your thoughts are in terms of the basic science content of the meeting? So we always would love to see more, obviously, because we feel like a lot of the therapeutics, the drugs that we're going to be able to find for you to, to take into your clinics are going to come from our basic science. And so we always want to see more, more, more. But it's just really wonderful to see the breadth of technology that we're seeing, because in the past 10 years, we have seen so many new and exciting techniques, technologies methodologies coming out and now we're able to implement those and we're starting to see benefits from those so I think it's it gets better and better every year but again we're we're beggars at the banquet we always want more so <laughs> I agree we always could use more of clinical and research and education so from the clinical standpoint Gretchen anything particularly catch your eye today well, I have to say the plenary sessions have all been so amazing, and today's was right up there. <laughs> it was just fun. The diversity launch with diversity inclusion committee with everybody wins, the inclusion of everyone. Um, I think one of the quotes that I took away this morning was, learn from our differences to become better scientists, better clinicians, and of course the patient is always at the center of everything. So that was a good reminder, and I think the committee did a really nice job this morning on that. Yeah, you know, I think one of the important messages is that we should always keep the patient at the center. And I was just at the uh, STARS luncheon, and there are, gosh, there are about 250 or so STARS and TREX members. Um, these are residents, uh, students, and uh, fellows and postdocs. And the panel that led this uh, discussion among the 250-some-odd uh, people were patients. Uh, they're from the AAKP, um, and uh, they discussed their experience as being a patient, and the message was that, you know, we love all the science, we love all the clinical science, it's all there to benefit the patient. So it was a very strong message, and I think it was an important message to the trainees that were there. Uh, Joel, um, 
from the education standpoint, what are your thoughts? Well, today was a very exciting day because in the plenary session they announced the winners for the annual Innovations in Kidney Education contest. And I thought this year's winners were really uh, diverse and each had their own strength that I thought were outstanding. One of my favorites was Neff Sim, which is, which is kind of a case-based nephrology education. But the creators, uh, Samira Farouk and her partner, um, I'm sorry, I can't remember. I think it's Rebecca, but I'm not positive about that. But they recognize that today's learners are all mobile technology oriented and they every one of the screenshots that they showed in their demonstrations was from a phone and they have been very conscious when they designed this educational resource for it to be available and deliverable on the mobile technology that everybody's carrying and I just think there's so little of that kind of direction when people kind of create these uh, educational resources I thought that was phenomenal and they took the difficult things like they took the tubule of the kidney and they said they made it a game. And I was like, wow, I think I might actually want to try that. Right. I mean, I follow them on Twitter, but I'm like, okay, now I need to download my mobile app and get that going, because it just was really interactive and made the person playing the game interact with the concept of learning and education in a whole new like, right. level. So there, were, there was another one that was Nephro 360, which is what it was called, and this was full on virtual reality, you're in the nephron and you're seeing oh, sorry, ions yes, and atoms sorry, coming one. flying <laughs> at you yes. and you have to take the receptors and the yes. transporters and put them in the right place. And uh, you know, I, I personally got a little dizzy watching the video, but you know, again, there's not one educational solution for everybody. There needs to be a thousand educational solutions and, and people are going to pick whatever works for them. And this was so different than any other te teaching resource I'd ever seen. And it wasn't, it looked really sophisticated. They had spent a lot of time getting it right. I was super impressed by that. And then the last one was a hemodialysis access 101 which was a, uh, a comprehensive website that goes through the entire, the science behind AV access and um, how to do a physical exam and how to take care of it. And to me, you know, uh, AV access is one of those topics in nephrology that is not particularly sexy. You don't hear people saying, I just fell in love with AV access and that's why I became a nephrologist. But, you know, just like what you were saying, Dr. Akusa, this is the, the lifeline for patients. This is so important to their lifestyle and for them to get taken care of on dialysis. I love that someone said, hey, this is super important. And the fact that it's not the thing that usually brings people into the field makes it even more important to teach it, right? Because people might not be so self-motivated to teach it. And let's put together a really good learning module. And I think it's doubly important because there's probably a lot of teaching area centers that don't have a, a champion who's really uh, knowledgeable and has deep love for the for AV access. So I thought it was a, that was a great. I think the the awards committee did a wonderful job of picking the winners there. There's a great diverse creative solutions. It was very exciting. What I love about this meeting so far has been we talk a lot about innovation and we talk about innovation in science, innovation in technology, but the innovation in education is just phenomenal. It is, um, it, it is just truly awesome. The creativity that went behind the projects were second to none. So I, I think that innovation really spanned the whole spectrum of activities uh, that ASN really uh, wants to promote. So, oh, go ahead. Nefsim even added that they said, author your own case in space. I like that I had to lingo. <laughs> author your own space case in space. Because, you know, a lot of times if you're playing a game, they say you're maybe not as interactive. I think, like you were saying, Joel, that the uh, Nephron 360 did a good job of making it interactive as a game. 
but uh, the th cool thing with the uh, NEFSIM. NEFSIM. It's Thank a platform, you. right? It's a, it's a it's platform, platform that you can build your that own. That you stuff. can build your own, that you can participate, you can add your own case, you can do it remotely, but interact with global participants. And yeah. it's an increasingly global community that we have for nephrology, so that's really one way to bring all of us together. Right. They're, uh, the creators there are very involved in social media, and they're using that, just one of those principles of social media of crowdsourcing to help build their platform out. Yeah, that should be great. And speaking of social media, one, can you tell us more about how we could take advantage of this to really promote nephrology, promote education? Right, so Kidney Week is, is like, it's the biggest social media event on the calendar. You know, if you take a look at the number of uh, nephrologists that are participating in Twitter and on these conversations, it takes a dramatic spike during Kidney Week. And it's a, it's a time that really brings people into the nephrology social media community because we're all having a common thing to talk about. We're all watching the same plenary session. We all want to comment on that. We like reading other people's comments. And so that community swells during that time. And usually uh, it gets sustained after that. Like it brings people in and then people see what is happening there and they like it. And social media is a way for doctors that literally on our day-to-day -day basis, we actually work independently, right? We, I have partners, but I don't see them, right? I see my patients and I see nurses, but I don't see that many other doctors unless they're working with me as trainees. And social media is a time where I get to break through that barrier and talk and communicate and collaborate with other people, my other, my nephrology peers, whether they're uh, located across town or across the continent. And to me, it's a, it's a great way of bringing a community together and collaborating and fighting burnout. It seems to me the, um, I guess you would call it Twitter chat, when uh, the, there's just so much going on with Twitter during this meeting, um, it just seems to reflect the energy that is behind this meeting uh, this time. And although, you know, although the thousands of tweets that went out, I think I contributed one or two, uh, it still is just really cool to see all these different comments and activities. Um, I just, I think it's great. Yeah. I, I think, you know, we're in an age where people are not willing to just sit quietly in the audience. Everybody wants to participate with that. And the channel that where everybody can talk is the social media channel along with the speaker who gets the microphone channel. Not just talk, get feedback as well. Yeah, absolutely. Did anybody attend the uh, football? I didn't. No, I didn't. Well, I, I, I went to a part of it, and I was really excited to see this. Um, I think, that, that first of all, so it's, it's like Jeopardy, except for you know, nephrology questions, and there was a panel, and they went down to the very uh, finals, as, as a matter of fact. And the two teams, Arkansas and Brigham, Mass General Brigham, rock stars, I think. Um, and they were competing against each other. And uh, the questions were pretty hard. <laughs> and they were very good at answering the questions. But what was exciting was the, dis the different form of education. And uh, the audience were engaged in this kind of activity. And it just reflects another kind of educational venue that uh, brings a lot of these young nephrologists out and uh, promotes education. So I, I think that's a great idea. I think having it where it was on the um, exhibit hall in the corner um, was made it accessible to a lot of different people. And I think next year we're going to try to expand that, uh, maybe have it at Pepco Stadium. <laughs> so. Um, any other thoughts about Kidney Week, whether uh, today or the last two days? Uh, I, uh, today was the awards day, and seeing uh, John DeGertis uh, win the award, uh, the Scribner Award, was great. I mean, 
this is a guy who has been in every nephrology fellow's pocket with that handbook for dialysis. Like, I used that handbook for dialysis 20 years ago, and my fellows are using it today. It is just, he, it is, he is such an institution. It was great seeing him up there winning the award and getting recognized for. I'm not sure if there's an equation more tightly related to the field of nephrology than KT over V, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's it. And, you know, he's, a, he's one of the original collaborators on there. So it was great seeing that or the EKT over V. Mm -hmm. And Joel, you were the Naren's awardee last year. Yeah, and, that's, uh, that, yeah, well, that was, you know, a, a career highlight uh, to be, to get the, um, I remember, uh, uh, Dr. Akusa called me and I was in my phone when he told me that I'd won and I was happy just to keep the car on the road. I was so excited. It was really, it was, an, it was, uh, it was such an honor uh, to get that award. And then this year, Nancy Adams won the Nairns Award and uh, Dr. Adams, who's uh, been running a number of the uh, workforce and uh, training program director committees has been a, a real advocate and real supporter of all the projects that I've done from right from the very beginning. I think she's seen the value of some of the social media work that we've done and was very supportive. It was really nice to see her get uh, mm. rewarded with that. To go back to your year, I think that um, uh, the fact that um, you were the Naren's awardee really supports the idea that we're very progressive about how we view education. Uh, not only the traditional educational pathway, but uh, the more progressive um, using social media and various forms of uh, web-based um, forms of education, I think verifies that this is how we should be move, move in, the, in the future. Right. I think if you look across internal medicine, uh, nephrology is right there in the front, front row about using social media to advance education. And I think it's recognized among the other specialties where the envy of internal medicine. In a good way. In, in a, a good, good way. way, that's right. For sure. For well, so I have to tell you that um, it's been hard to get to um, a lot of the meetings, um, but I did go to um, a few, and one of the ones I went to was just the one that came here, just before I came here, and um, it was on uh, macrophages and acute kidney injury, and and it's it's really interesting to see how um, how progressive and how incredible the science is um, these days. Uh, and the technology that's used uh, in terms of understanding the, the, the biology behind different processes. And it, it goes back to uh, some of the, the plenary sessions and even today's plenary session with Dr. Griffin Rogers from NIDDK uh, who presented his work on uh, the, uh, really the translational um, aspects of sickle cell disease, starting with understanding the, the epidemiology of sickle cell and the uh, biology behind it, the point mutation, to go into different forms of therapeutic approaches based upon our understanding of the disease and going into um, you know, gene therapy, uh, bringing all the things that we have been talking about the last couple of days to actually going right to the patient where you can, you know, you can make a difference in their lives. Uh, this, is, this is one disease that I think that in the very near future they're going to cure. So that's really Absolutely. exciting. What do you think? I, I have to agree with you. Out of The state-of-the-art lectures for me every day are a major highlight, but I have to say the one today really hit home and was a bit of a tearjerker in a way. As a carrier of hemoglobin pathology myself, to see this, we're really on the brink with um, our gene editing techniques. And I only think that this is going to open up a treasure chest of moving into other areas like the thalassemias and things like that. And so I'm very, very excited about where we're going because we've had gene editing techniques for quite some time, but we've suffered some setbacks in their clinical application. So now seeing these things with like the successful lentivirus 
um, employment. And then with our CRISPR-Cas9 technologies, we are on a you know a really new horizon is starting to dawn for us. And that that um, lecture this morning was a real tearjerker for me. It was yeah. really it was really amazing to see how far we've come. Dr. Rogers mentioned that it was the first genetic disease to be discovered, and he thinks it'll be the first genetic disease to be cured, mm -hmm. which is so cool because, you know, he mentioned, like, he discovered hydroxyurea, 70 to 80% of his patients are now cured. I'd be like, okay, that's good, go home, you know, mm -hmm. I've done my thing for society, yeah. right? But he's like, no, we need to get 100%, and he's still pursuing that excellence, and all patient-centered, like you said, Alexis, that, you know, we have that focus on the patient, and he just really was very eloquent how he spoke this morning. I just really enjoyed that session. It was great. Yeah, yeah you know, it, it it's encouraging because they're getting close. But when you look at the biology of sickle cell, and it's a it, how simple it is, and then you look at the biology of ADPKD, and you're like, oh my oh. God, it's <laughs> a thousand, a million times more complex. And we, st I mean, we're getting close, but we still haven't tackled sickle cell. But we have a new drug. <laughs> well, that's great, and we and, and and we're seeing some progress in polycystic kidney disease. But it it just it, to me it emphasizes this stuff is hard. And getting, and getting sickle cell and curing that one, we're still going to be a long way away from our most common genetic disease in our field, which is going to be a mountain to climb compared to sickle cell. Yeah. But it's going to give people the tools to, to start climbing that mountain because I think the people that are you know, interested in the, the anemias of, of hemoglobin pathologies, the people who study Alport syndrome like myself, and the mutations that cause Alport syndrome, NAPOL1, which I also study. So we're, we're very excited about what those things are going to afford us. So in the future, obviously, with planning for the Kidney Week 2019, what would you like to see differently? More of the same. <laughs> Keep growing all the social media and the uh, just multiple avenues for learning and education. This is so fun to come live to Kidney Week, but you can't come every year. Maybe sometimes you have to cover back home. So it's great that there are multiple avenues for accessing what we do at the ASN and you know just ability to uh, when you get here to shake hands with your fellow that, fellow colleague that you haven't seen for 20 years and just to uh, remember why you went into the field of nephrology because you really, it's a bunch of nerds like walking around talking about the kidney and that's fun, you know, for a couple of days. <laughs> One of the things that we, uh, Dr. Acusa talked about on the first day was kidney X and it would be really exciting to see some of the proposals that people have come up with for those prizes and maybe even running a session like Shark Tank where they get to pitch what their ideas were in front of a panel of experts that have the power to fund them and make that a, like a, a game and let people participate and see which of these ideas get funded. You'll have a lot of good ideas from the crowd of people that will be think that's a good idea or a lousy idea. Uh, that would be a fun thing to see. I've, I've seen those type of uh, projects done in other conference. And then I would also like to see TED-style talks where you have very polished presentations that are 15 minutes long that are mostly about the guy talking and not about the visual slides and maybe a little bit more philosophical rather than very specific but a, a kind of a different flavor and a different pace than your traditional scientific talk. I think that would be uh, very uh, exciting for people to see. And then the other suggestion that someone suggested to me, they were at the late breaking trials and they said, well, why instead of having 
a session of late-breaking trials in which it gets counter-programmed against a lot of other, other there was things you just couldn't see, because I, I never, I always want to go to the uh, high-impact and late-breaking trials. What if you took two of those little sessions and put each one in a plenary session? And you did two each day, and then you could get I don't know, six of those in right there. They'd get a bigger audience, and it wouldn't be counter-programmed against anything else. So I thought that was a good idea. And I figured this not be a bad place to. Well, I think it's a good time to hear about these things. You mentioned Kidney X, and uh, you'd like to see what sort of proposals there are next year. Well, you know, the applications are starting this past Thursday. So you know that they're going to support 15 initial applications, and then from that there'll be three winners. And, uh, and then, so I think by next uh, Kidney Week, we should have some information and perhaps maybe some things to share with the, the, uh, the membership and the audience. Um, you did mention Shark Tank. Uh, I think that's an interesting idea. But I think Shark Tank, I think that uh, we can't use the term Shark Tank. But one suggestion uh, that I heard a couple of days ago was Piranha Pond. And uh, I think that would be uh, maybe appropriate to use. Um, Zebra fish pond. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that might be uh, apropos, I agree. <laughs> So um, are there any other final thoughts before we close this uh, session? You know, I was excited at the poster session today. Speaking of things that I'd like to see next year, just more information coming out from the Global Nephrology Workforce, the poster where there's cooperation between the ASN, the ERA, EDTA, and the ISN on looking at the nephrology workforce worldwide, not just in the United States, but worldwide, and how is that impacting the globe in terms of chronic kidney disease. Mm -hmm. uh, care and management. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that there is a workforce project on the scope of practice, um, the workforce um, internationally, because it is very different. And there is uh, varying levels of uh, interest in terms of nephrology in various countries. Uh, in France, there's a, it's very popular. I know that I, I found out in Australia, uh, nephrology is popular. I also know that in, you know, in terms of the distribution of kidney disease, there is very different distribution in terms of the density of kidney disease. Um, and, you know, I mentioned that in my, in my um, presidential address with regards to Asia. So I think there is a lot to learn, and I think that the most important thing is that, that this isn't just a U.S.-specific issue or, or a Japanese or Chinese. Uh, it really is a global problem that we all have to get together and discuss this and try to work out some of the, the issues so that we could uh, care for these patients um, around the world. And then one of the sessions that I went to this afternoon, or this morning, I'm sorry, was on dialysis in the elderly and how to talk to patients about these things. And I think Dr. Michael Germain mm -hmm. had a nice session where he talked about the fourth option. So not just hemo or PD or transplant, but talk about conservative management options for our patients. And for me, that's great, especially if we're thinking of 850 million worldwide patients with kidney disease. And of course, they die of cardiovascular disease. We don't want them to get to that option of dialysis transplant conservative management. But it would be great to see nephrologists taking a more central role with the patient at the center, but more central nephrologists taking a more central role in um, having these discussions with patients. Because one of the posters I saw this morning was from the VA. Um, the sort of all-or-nothing phenomenon that as nephrologists we tend to talk at our patients and one of the things I was humbled by recently at Kaiser we had a motivational interviewing uh, expert come to talk to us about how we as nephrologists could speak more engagingly and listen better to our patients as they chose dialysis modalities or conservative management 
And the poster was interesting because it was the all or nothing option. We tend to, as nephrologists, talk about, well, this is the way you can do it, and if you don't do it this way, then this is to let me know when you want to talk more. But uh, as the session this, this morning was saying, there are a lot of options that we can do for our patients, simple things like control their blood pressure, their anemia management, and we don't have to offer them the big guns with dialysis or renal replacement or transplant. So I think that's a growing area that as we recognize the increasingly global community with more CKD, that conservative management is an option and it should be front and center led by the patient and the nephrologist partnering together. Yeah, uh, some of the most exciting things that I saw this week were right from the poster sessions. You know, uh, I was talking with a friend, like, if you want to see how things have been for the last five years, you go to the didactic sessions. But if you want to see how things are going to be in the next five years, you go to the poster sessions. And, uh, you know, I saw a, a drug that is a hydrochloric acid binder, and it raises serum bicarb by about five points for people with advanced CKD. Uh, you know, that the idea that we would be get away from sodium bicarbonate, we're no longer on, on Arm and & Hammer, and we're gonna really be able to make a difference for these people's um, acidosis. And I, I, I'm so excited to see what kind of profound effects that has for the patients. You know, they, they still have to do that work, but the drug works in terms of what it's intended. So that'll be exciting. And then another drug, a, a microRNA that blocks the production of hyperoxyluria. So these treat, you know, really reduces oxalate production to normal levels in people with uh, primary hyperoxaluria. I mean, you know, just a game changer. These patients, you know, you have a pill, a, a, an IV infusion or a liver transplant. Like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty stark contrast and what a, what a great potential that drug's gonna also have. And it's, a, it's amazing stuff. It's an exciting time. It really is. I think that this year the information was just uh, boundless and uh, it bodes well for the future, I think. So any last thoughts? Well, I just wanted to take just a minute to thank the mm -hmm. ASN because as you mentioned earlier, I'm on the Diversity and Inclusion Committee and we had come up with a, a couple of initiatives to introduce this year and we've gotten nothing but support on every front and great feedback for the things that we're trying to do. One of the things I noticed, I hope everybody has gotten the IMASN pins and uh, has been following that hashtag just to um, really make everyone aware about the diversity of you know a lot of there's a lot of talk about disparities in patients and their, their care but we need to recognize our own diversity and use that within us to to strengthen uh, our care modality so I'm really happy to see that going we also um, the Weston Himmelfarb lunch this year it's only growing more and more and more and uh, doctors Himmelfarb and Weston were both there this year and we're saying we just couldn't have imagined that it would get it would be like this so quickly and also we had our very first First ever um, LGBTQ reception last night, which went really, really well, and um, we had uh, gender-neutral bathrooms for the first time as well this year. So, on that front, we have gotten nothing but first but support on all of our initiatives, and we're really grateful and very excited about the next steps as well there. So, yeah. one of the things that that committee did is they did a, um, a poster tour of uh, mm -hmm. gen of, a, of disparities in nephrology. Uh, uh, Dr. Cruz led that poster tour, and I just was I went to a couple of the same posters, and they were exceptional. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just a great way to highlight people that are studying the things that you guys are interested in and bringing young trainees and kidney stars people to see that stuff and, sh and really demonstrate, hey, this is work is going on in nephrology and it's getting highlighted by uh, ASN picking their posters and then having a tour going to them. 
Yeah, and that's the, great. that Stars and Treks program, I can't cheerlead enough either because I'm a I'm a graduate of that. I was the 2016 Treks at Mount Desert Island. So, and that I'm going to steal a line from Mark Zadell who runs the runs it at Mount Desert Island. But he's like, in 10 years, I hope I see all of you guys running all the the panels and running all of the you know committees and all these kind of things. And it's it's really exciting you see the students and as a PhD getting to go and do the experiments that gave us the insights into renal physiology is really really with the people who did it is at the place they did it is really amazing so um, that's also going to be an amazing pipeline going forward I think too. Well what's really cool though is that you did go through the checks program now you're on the diversity and inclusion committee and engaged in the ASN and, and this is what we like to do is we like to to seek out young people who are very exciting and energetic and really can add to um, to nephrology so well I hope that happens I mean I you see a lot of the Trek alumni coming back year after year and it's really it's really it's really gratifying it's, it's this great dichotomy you hear everybody else talking about oh there's nobody wants to go into nephrology and you think coming to the national meeting it would be depressing and it wouldn't be dynamic and it looks it's just the opposite it is completely vital and creative and innovative and exciting it doesn't feel like there's a crisis, you know what I mean? It really doesn't. Well, the crisis is improving. Very, very <laughs> <laughs> we are getting, we are moving in the right direction, I think. I think the um, innovation, the discovery, the diversity, everything we're doing from, from treks to stars to diversity and inclusion to discovery, all these things. So it's, it's, a, it's a good time to be a nephrologist. I think we're really um, heading in the right direction. And I just want to echo, like Alexis said, this sentiment that I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to be on the Publications Committee and to remind folks that we are starting Kidney 360 Yay. that's launching in 2020. <laughs> so please submit all of the diverse articles and cases and all the above. It's an open access, online only journal for the ASN. So it should be really fun. It's going to be a big hit, I think. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to yeah. it. So thanks for what generation. you're doing with, uh, with that. So on that note, uh, thank you all for participating. I uh, really appreciate it and hope you enjoy the rest of the meeting. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to the ASN Kidney Week 2018 podcast. This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology, all rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice. This podcast should not be used in a medical emergency or for the diagnosis or treatment of any medical condition. Please consult your doctor or other qualified healthcare provider if you have any questions about any medical condition or before taking any drug, changing your diet, or commencing or discontinuing any course of treatment. Thank you for listening to this podcast of the American Society of Nephrology. Thank you.